you can switch off your camera and take your shirt off. Oh, yeah, yeah. Someone at work asked the other day, we were, we were just chatting, and someone said, like, what would you do if you won the lottery? Like, what big purchase would you immediately go out by? I really couldn't think of much, but a pizza oven, like an outdoor pizza oven, you know, would improve my quality of life immediately. If you won the lottery, you would just get a pizza oven? Like, to begin with, not like that's the only thing ever, but... That's the first thing you would do. Is a pizza. It's up I, there, yeah. I would like, a, a, well, one of my dreams is to own a tandoor oven someday. It's a clay oven to make actual tandoori food. So I, I respect the need for a, you know, good, I know, wood burning uh, pizza oven. Wicked. Bernie's thinking, like, I'm buying a robot so that I never have to do anything manual ever again. Well, I, I guess the question is how much, like, how, how big is this lottery? Like, uh, yeah, I mean, for sure. Like, I don't know. I don't know. What, what's the bottom tier? A million? Or like, yeah. okay. Because what I was going to say was I would buy a football club. <laughs> like, you know, I think that's actually more reasonable than your pizza oven, to be honest. More reasonable. Yeah. I would legitimately go off and buy like York 9. I would do I that. I think you'd, you'd be surprised at how much you'd need to buy that. It's certainly more than a million. To buy York 9? Come on, man. They're, yeah. they're, they're trash. Even, even though they pay their players like $11,000 a year. <laughs> they, they, they need to unionize if they haven't already. They seriously do. Uh, man. I'm getting worried about this fan. I'm going to turn it off and suffer through it. I did the same thing last week. I, I, we literally can't hear it. Like Every time you sit, we tell you we can't hear it, you go turn it off. I don't know the difference. Uh, so. All right, fine. fine. I guess yeah. this, will, this week will be the guinea pig. And if it all goes pear-shaped and that's what happened yeah. well, you, can, uh, you can switch off your camera and take your shirt off <laughs> <laughs> that's true that's true but then oh. I'd, yeah i'd worry about oh no you wouldn't be able to see so you wouldn't be distracted it's fine. yeah mbappe had the chance and he fluffed his you know to, so I, I i tried to force that segue in somehow but i feel like it was appropriate because twitter was like you think that t- scoring the penalty and taking off your shirt is just easy like oh, it's pressure and like, <laughs> there's a point to that but there's also banter to it as well that i think we need to appreciate yeah yeah i think that's fair just before we do that i i did say we've thrown all formality out the window but we should probably let people know that raul is with us Mohanad is not raul has joined us on the kosh cast Several times in the past, always a wonderful, wonderful experience to have you. So thank you for joining us, Raul. Cheers, good to be back. And um, where can people find you on Twitter? Usually podcasts leave this to the end, but like I want to do it now because, you know. Uh, if for some reason someone wanted to find me on Twitter, I don't know why they would, but it's at Kalvapale, which is my last name, K-A-L-V-A-P-A-L-L-E. I absolutely hate spelling it out whenever I have to because it takes forever, but it is what it is. <laughs> Uh, I will say, and Bernie, you can chime in, I think there are many reasons to follow Raul on Twitter. One is good football brain. The other is legitimate blue tick. So, celeb. Yeah, I think I think he's the first blue tick person that I know on like a, you know, jollof rice basis. <laughs> Which translates as what? Personal? <laughs> yes. 
I only have that because uh, someone sent me Jack Dorsey's nudes, and that's it. <laughs> well, pass them along. I mean, it's been it's been a while. Like if if you're only using it just to get verified, bro, like you, you need to have some higher ambitions. <laughs> there are things you can do with those. <laughs> True. Um, and and sorry, the final reason is uh, Raul will will sometimes tweet about the Indian food that he makes at home, and looks pretty good. I have to say, looks very good. So I'm I'm excited to try it. Um, one day when I give him jollof rice and he exchanges it with some Indian food, you know. There you go. A, a beautiful cultural exchange. We're all jollof, We've been... jollof, uh, jollof for biryani, because they're seeming loosely related dishes, I think. They are loosely related dishes. Um, and that and that's probably why I had uh, <laughs> Actually, I'm not going to go there. We're going to let that go. <laughs> I just realized I'm like, I'm about to get into dangerous territory here on a pod that a couple hundred people listen to. So we'll leave that alone. <laughs> One of them could be Fair. my wife, which is a problem. <laughs> All right. Moving on to safer ground, um, Kylian Mbappe. I mean, we're we're recording this like a couple of hours after Kylian Mbappe missed or had his penalty saved, and the Swiss knocked France out. Um, Raúl, were you shocked by this? Because I looked at him no. all game, all tournament, and thought this kid is still injured and clearly not at his best. And I would not. I said this to, to the guys immediately after the game. I would not have let him take a penalty, let alone the fifth one. I, I'm not just saying this with the benefit of hindsight, hindsight, but I fully expected him to miss it when he stepped up. And when, when I saw Pogba stepping up to take the first penalty, I really thought, you got to save Pogba for the last, or like for the high-pressure penalty, because the, the form that he's been in, playing like an absolute god, he just you could stick Pogba in goal, and he probably would have saved a couple. And I just felt... You know, you give Mbappe the first, the first one because he hasn't been in great form and leave Pogba for the last. But uh, I saw someone on Twitter uh, tweet that Mbappe is trying to do the whole Cristiano Ronaldo thing where you take the clutch penalty and take your, take your, take your shirt off, but he's not at that level yet. So, I mean, not to blame the whole elimination on Mbappe, but yeah, he did not fill me with confidence stepping up. Yeah, I mean, for a start, he's not the... I'm sure his abs are great, but they're not obviously Ronaldo levels. For that move, but um, Bernie, we, we we respect Deschamps. I don't know that we like Deschamps, but is this on him? Uh, no, um, and I, it actually pains me to say that it's not on him because they were three one up. Like to, to me, when you're three one up, you've done what you're supposed to do. Like sure, you're one nil down. You know, things happen. But they're 3-1 up. At that point, as a manager, you expect your players to finish off the game. Like, you just do. Like, some, I think sometimes fans on Twitter get excited. And they're like, oh, he should have brought in a, a defensive midfielder or sub off someone and see the game out. It's like, realistically, you shouldn't, ever, you shouldn't even have to do that at 3-1. Like, it, it should, France, with all their talent, should see off a 3-1 lead to uh, Switzerland. I don't expect this Spain team to do it. <laughs> like they're not that good, but the defending world champions with Conte and and, and um, Varane and eh, Kempembe, sure, whatever. Like you know, like I ex I still expect them to see that out. So I don't blame Deschamps. I I blame the players on the pitch um, for losing concentration and letting this go. Fair enough. That said, I I know I've watched more more Tottenham than you have in the last 
while, but he did bring on Musa Sissoko, which is a guaranteed goal conceder. Like he is one of those guys that you that seems like he's going to make things safer because he's going to charge around and like tackle people and stuff, and it never works out that way. Yeah, but I mean, Musa Sissoko is is. I'm trying to be nice. I don't know if it's because Rahul's here. To. Like, Why? No. yeah, okay, okay, he sucks. But like, I, I'm just saying. I feel, and I really hate to bag on the guy, but Mbappe missed some things that I thought I don't understand that, and not to blame Coleman, but like that could have been a goal, right? Mm. Like, and that that would have ended it. I feel like this was weirdly fine margins, but I don't know. I don't know. Let, Rahul, you you give your opinion before I go off and slander everyone as I will in the end. Uh, I take your points, but I do blame Deschamps for a couple other things. Uh, playing with the back three. Uh, so I know he like both his left backs were out injured for this game. So I think that's why he went with the back three. But again, just to insert my uh, Real Madrid agenda into this, even though it's about France and the Euros. Frel on Monday, Monday would have been pretty useful. In a, I think in a 26-man squad, mm-hmm. I think you find room for a guy who's a very good defensive left back can play at right back, can play in a back three as a left center back. But even though, I mean, okay, fine, you didn't take him, that's fine. But even for this game, I think Deschamps should have just started with a back four, even if it means putting Rabio at left back or even play Kunde at left back, whatever. But just like breaking up your central defensive pairing just doesn't seem wise. And, and Longley was awful. He was subbed off. And, and, uh, and yeah, to, to, to join on Bernie's point of... Uh, uh, the players being at fault. Kim Pembe, I thought, had a shocker, especially for the, uh, I think it was the equalizing goal, mm-hmm. uh, where he he attempted this tackle that reminded me of uh, a young Sergio Ramos, where he would want to win every single duel and mm. not realize that sometimes you just have to hang back. And if he had just ha- uh, like done that, been been conservative, I don't think Switzerland had a, a chance to score. They just like launched and missed. An old Sergio Ramos, so, too, but hey. Not say more yet. We, we can have a separate part on that. <laughs> we will when he retires. Get you on for a special. Um, although, I mean, we will talk about it actually because we'll we'll talk about Real Madrid. There's, we, we got oh, let's not. Let's well. not. We don't um, oh no, we will. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think you're right. I think Switzerland will have been like slightly surprised at how easily they were able to cut France open in the end. Especially like if you can make Granite Xhaka look this good, I've got an issue with you. Because every time Granit Xhaka has has a good game, the ho- the whole debate starts up again, and it's it's exhausting. Like he's bad, but he occasionally has a good game. And France let him with with their midfield, which is, is distressing. Um, but yeah, I mean, on the left back, could have taken Phil on Monday. Could have taken Teo Hernandez. Like there were options, and I know he took two left backs, and they both got injured. That's very unfortunate. But Adrian Rabiot on the left of a four was disgusting. Like absolutely disgusting. I I agree with the Furlan Mundi um uh, Mendy point in particular because you guys know I'm a firm believer in you know you need to be a good defender as a fullback and Furlan Mendy is a very good defender like so he it's a bit of a Wambasaka thing sure fine but like we got to get past this like you need someone who can actually defend as well like you think you're just gonna attack everybody like what kind of arrogance is this like I it's been at Sola. <laughs> That that might well actually no one goods in a tournament anymore except for them so you know what anything can happen but I, I don't know I I do blame Deschamps for generally 
right? Like the the team makeup. I I I'm not. I I don't like Rabio. I don't think he even deserved to play. I think even Toliso is more like a better player and more mobile. But maybe he can play that position better. You can use Sissoko as a fullback, as we've seen being done at Spurs. Like that has to. At least he's done it, so it has to be better than Rabio. But mm, I, I don't know. Like. They did everything they, they, they could have done to come back from 1-0, to, to go 3-3, and look at the performance of Paul Pogba, for example. That was honestly probably the best individual performance in this tournament, period. And other people let him down. Like, I mean, Brenzema had a did a madness in this game. Mm-hmm. Like, there were so many good things that they did that they were undone by individual stupidity. Like, Kempembe, who I never, ever rated in this tournament, and you know... And I, I couldn't believe he was a starting center back, but whatever. I'll, I'll leave that agenda at home. Fair enough. All right, let's um, – well, France are out. Look, they got to the final of the Euro 2016. They won the following World Cup, and they, they've got this far. Like, that's a pretty good cycle. We'll, we'll see what happens next. I fully expect Zidane to take over if they decide Deschamps had enough. Um, but we'll see. A, a team possibly closer to Raul's art, uh, Spain. Okay, Raul – Luis Enrique said that his team are like a bottle of kava and the cork's about to pop. And when it does, like, we've all got to be scared. And then they scored 10 goals in two games. He was absolutely right. Yeah, he was. Uh, I, I prefer uh, Ruud van Nistelrooy's uh, ketchup bottle analogy from many years ago, <laughs> where he said goals are like ketchup. Like, you shake the bottle and you don't get any ketchup, and then suddenly it all comes out at once. Maybe that's what Spain are going through right now. Uh, I, I do think they've generally been playing well all tournament, but it's just finishing is their big issue, obviously, with, with Morata as your man, and the other option being Moreno, who's very good, but not really world-class either. Uh, so Morata got his goal today, like a nice goal against Croatia, and he generally played well. And uh, now all, all of a sudden, you, you, might see, you might see Spain uh, really, uh, I think, rise to the potential and go, go to the semis, because they... I know it's a it's a very flawed team. It's a strange team, but they have so much talent that sometimes you can just rise above the uh, the tactical flaws. And uh, yeah, so I I don't I personally don't really feel a sense of attachment to the Spain national team, like not just this team, but any any Spain team. Uh, but I think they are gonna prove people wrong and probably go further than we expected pre-tournament. I think they make the semis. I'm not. This Euros is very strange. Like I don't know if anyone's been like going to be proven right or wrong in any effect because, like Switzerland can take out France and uh, I didn't think Belgium were going to take out. Like people thought Belgium sucked, right? So you're you're going to get proven wrong in that sense, sure. But like everyone is fucking up at some point, like in this tournament. So it's it's upside down. You just have to like live it and let it go and and in some sense for spain i think people just expect them to be a certain level all the time which was probably just five out of ten that's what people expected they didn't expect anything crazy or anything low so as long as they were just competent like in this tournament the way things have been going they could actually go pretty far and like you said finishing aside they have been pretty competent even I think this la- this game, a lot of people have made some really weird assumptions based on this game, but defensively, they've actually been pretty good um, during the tournament. Like, you have one crazy game. So what? It doesn't mean that all of a sudden, you know, there are all these things being said about Pau Torres and whatever else. I'm like, 
you guys are really over exaggerating. This is a wild game in a European knockout where anything can happen. Like, just calm down. But you do also have a vested interest in defending Pau Torres, right? N no, I, I don't. I really don't. I mean, mm. he's six foot five and rubbish in the air. Like, I didn't. I have noticed that. <laughs> and I can tell you that. But <laughs> I, I, I don't have a vested interest in him. Uh, but I will if we do sign him. <laughs> Rel, would you agree with that assessment of Big Pal? Yeah, he, he just looks like he needs to grow into that frame and beef up a little more. Like he's a really good ground defender and really good passer, but yeah, it's, it's kind of like uh, the way Varan was when he was younger, where he's, he's like pretty tall, and you think, okay, someone with this frame, you should probably be better in the air, which he became eventually. So I, I think Pal's going through the same thing. And and again, on, on Spain, they meet Switzerland next, and I don't think Switzerland are gonna. They, Switzerland are gonna be uh, missing Jaka, Jaka because of yellow cards, and it's just again that's again why I feel like Spain ended up on a good side of the draw, and they, I think they make the semis, and then who knows what can happen. I, I I will say that I genuinely believe that in this tournament, um, Spain. One of the reasons why Spain can go far like all the way potentially is because the quality of defending in this tournament is completely garbage, like just garbage. And if they are competent enough to string the ball together and get a couple chances and hopefully Morata has a shooting boots on, I expect them to be able to score a bunch of goals against other people and have shootouts like we've just seen. I think Spain can be competent. Spain will create chances more than most people from what I've seen with the way they use the ball. That's always going to give them a chance. Like, but the state of defending is woeful. It's really, really like sad to see. And that's why I think like this side of the draw might produce an unreal quarter or semi-final. So, sorry, yeah. I mean, you've got Italy against Belgium coming up, which is going to be wicked. Like, two of the the most attacking, most informed teams of the tournament. Even somehow Belgium are doing this despite having three centre backs from 2010. Um, like Vermaal and Alderweireld and Vertonghen are still out there doing their thing, um, and then whoever wins that is going to play Spain if they re beat Switzerland. So, if none of them, you know, defend, it, it could be an absolute gong show, which would be great entertainment. I fully expect um, Italy. I mean, especially now we know that uh, what's their names, Hazard and um. De Bruyne? Yeah, yeah, De Bruyne are, are apparently out of the game. Like, Lukaku is literally going to be just on his own. I think he might just take the ball from midfield and just try and, and run through everyone because he's not going to get the ball very easily. Um, on that, on, well, maybe, maybe Torgan Hazard is a better Hazard right now. Who knows? Um, but Italy are too competent. And they probably do defend well. <laughs> so I, yeah. I, ex I expect Italy, and I hope Italy, because I cannot have Robbie Martinez winning Euro. I, I, can't, I can't have it. I just cannot have it, no. I agree. Not into yeah, it. I, I tend to agree just because of, uh, well, more than, well, Hazard to an extent, but mostly De Bruyne if he doesn't play at all. If, if he can play like a half or something, that might change things. But also I feel like Belgium are under a lot more pressure before like golden generation thing and italy it feels like even if they lose to belgium at this point i don't think they'll get slammed too badly back home just because they've sort of played with a positive vibe and they played exciting football and no one really expected them to win this thing i think they're targeting more like the next world cup or the next euros 
So they can just play with freedom. And meanwhile, Lukaku is going to be frustrated because, I don't know, Axel would still can't do things that De Bruyne can do. Uh, has has Italy ever had a golden generation? Like what, what people, at least what, what Italians considered? You know, like, I think that could be a, um, a function of them just being good most of the time. Um, but has is that a thing for Italy? Like, I don't think, I don't know. I haven't, I don't think so personally. But I was wondering what you guys thought. I've not necessarily heard it described that way. And I mean, someone, any Italians or, or people that follow Italian football more closely, please get in touch and let us know. But I mean, they've had periods where they've had a ridiculous amount of talent all at one go. I mean, Del Piero, Totti, you know, Chiesa, Inzaghi, like they, they had for years in the, in the 90s and early 2000s, just unbelievable amounts of centre-backs and strikers. Midfield, maybe less so. Um, I don't know, Raul, what do you think? No, I agree. I think, I think it's, like you said, Bernie, a factor of Italy being generally strong most of the time. So when they have Maldini for like 35 years and Nesta <laughs> and Del Piero and Totti and, and, and Buffon and all this madness, you just sort of get used to it. Whereas with Belgium, as a kid, I remember that the only Belgian player you knew was Mark Wilmot. And he, even he wasn't like that special. He was just <laughs> somebody you knew. And then it was and... Emil and Penza. Exactly. There you go. And I guess Benteke. Benteke <laughs> so when you compare that to now with, you know, the De Bruyne, Hazard, the company's gone now, but they've had so many good players in the last decade. So I think that's where the golden generation thing What do you, What do you guys think of, um, I mean, we know Portugal from 2004 was probably the golden, golden generation that flopped. Uh, 2016 was a <laughs> hilarity, but that one. <laughs> I I had this Portugal team going to the final because I thought they were just stacked top to bottom. What I didn't expect was incompetence, <laughs> which yeah. reigned supreme. Um, I I don't know. To me, they never clicked. At not not in any game, they didn't really click. What did you guys think? Um, I actually think that they might have been too stacked compared to four years ago. Like if they had say one or two more very good attacking players compared to 2016. Like say you had you know, Bruno and Bernardo Silva and like Jota didn't exist and Joao Felix didn't exist. Then I think it'd be easier for, for them to set up a team similar to last time where they're pretty defensive, but then you have like a bit more variety in attack. It's not just Ronaldo. Whereas this time, I think they almost had so much flair. And then with the team that won defensively last time, I think they were kind of confused. That's like, what are we? Like, are we still going to do the defensive thing from last mm-hmm. time? But we can't really... So they tried sticking everyone in the lineup and then like, okay, Bruno's not performing, let's take him out. And it, it just, I, I think it, it, weirdly enough, even though it does make sense when you say it out loud, it, I think it kind of worked against them. And if they had a little less talent, they might've been more confident in what they were doing. But, I think, yeah, I think that's bang on. I think they, they were caught between, between what they did last time and the, the squad that they had now. And I, I think, yeah, either either less talent would have been useful or a manager that was willing to like play to mm. the strengths of the team and forget what worked last time because the team has changed. Um, like that Portugal team could and should be playing, you know, like really high intensity possession dominating football, you know, with, 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 with flying wing backs and like lethal finishes and Bernardo Silva trickling, tricking and, and tickling around the edges. Like, there's just so much talent there, and they just kind of 
dirge their way through the competition. And I, for one, I mean, listen, we're in Toronto. There's a lot of Italians. There's a lot of Portuguese people. It would have been hell had both of them got too far. So one of them had to go. And I don't mind it being Portugal. I'll also add that I'm, I'm, Portugal deserved to be out because they dropped William Carvalho, who has a brilliant porn star mustache and <laughs> looks and plays like a 70s or 80s footballer. And just for that crime, they deserve to go out. Fair enough. Fair enough. Right. So, yeah, Italy against Belgium. Then you've got Spain and Switzerland. Other side of the draw coming up Sweden against Ukraine in the battle of the yellow, extremely yellow kit. Um, I don't care who wins this, really. Anyone? Um, because I, I just want Yarmolenko to be happy in life, so sure. And uh, I, I just have a self-hatred for Victor Lindelof. Um, I say self-hatred because he's at my club and I shouldn't hate him on my club, but he annoys me so much. that, Like like Xhaka to you, who for Alex, I'm sure, was having like fever, <laughs> high fever, seeing Xhaka ping, ball, ping balls around and, yep. and, and G up the boys to win. So I yep. feel for you. But if Lindelof gets, gets through to a semi-final, for instance, then I'd be exactly in your shoes. Fair enough. Raul, do you any thoughts on this one? Yeah, I'm going for Sweden this one just because uh, I like uh, Alex Isak a lot. Uh, I think he's super talented. He's still really raw, but I think he's going to be really good. And if Sweden go a step further, it'll be good for him. And uh, he's my boy. So just for my Isak agenda, I'm going to go for Sweden. Fair enough. Actually, I've decided I, I'm going to go for Ukraine just because they tried that cheeky move of sewing the map of Ukraine mm. onto their shirts just to piss off the Russians, and then they got told they can't do that. But it was, it was a nice cheeky attempt, you have to, you have to say. Um, and then you've got England against Germany tomorrow. I mean, it'll probably be over by the time this comes out, or, or it'll be coming up by the time this comes out. Um, will either of you do me the honor of backing England to win this? Negative. Mm. Mm. I... I... I want so uh <laughs> I, I want them to. I do. I do want England to win. And you know, it's it's the battle of the colonizers versus, you know, the other guys. <laughs> and uh I I do want England to win regardless. Like eh, mostly because of just I I like I know these players more so and Werner's a fraud. <laughs> so like England sure, but I, I what I see is nil-nil penalties in Germany winning. Like, like I, that's what I see. I don't see many goals in this at all, personally. But who knows? Yeah, it is. I mean, it's difficult to see a lot of goals, mostly because England have been really solid defensively and have not scored. I think they've not scored more than one goal in any of the games so far. I, when you look at the games that have gone on over the last couple of days and the total calamity of them, you might look at the way England have approached things and say, maybe this is quite sensible. Um, but then it's just hard to have any faith that they'll score enough goals. I don't know. Raul, Ro, what do you think? What have you, well, what have you thought of England so far? Uh, again, I'm uh, aligned with the, the pretty popular common camp, common opinion that maybe they've been too conservative with the talent they have, because it is a really likable team with a lot of likable players. So in that sense, I'd like them to do well. But... Get Germany, I mean, they haven't been super impressive either, but with Germany, you just feel that somehow they stumbled out 
the, the group of deaths that they had, and now surely they they won't. Surely they'll like move up a gear, but but I agree that after like the madness of today, it just feels like the loss averages mean we'll see two really boring ass games tomorrow. And uh, if it goes to a penalty shutout, there's I mean we all know there's there's only going to be one outcome. So, mm-hmm. so I'm afraid I have to agree with Bernie and say either goalless draw or maybe a one-one and a dour game, penalty shootout, and as always, Germany wins. It just I I just I don't rate Germany's defense, but I also don't rate England's attack, which is very weird considering the actual talent that they do have at their disposal, mm-hmm. which is either just not functioning or is being misused. I don't I don't know which of the two it is, but. You know, it's it's just not clicking, and I don't expect it to click in a knockout game against Germany. Like, I, I kind of hope it does, um, but I, I I don't know. This might be football heritage. Do you guys think uh, Saka will start? This is the, the question that's on my mind because it's tough. Who? Because you have uh, Saka. Do you think he gets a start? It's a very good question, and he deserves to. I'm not convinced though i'm really not convinced in that i think southgate will want to bring mason mount back in mm. and then and then you've only got a spot left for either grealish or saka i'm not sure how he works that or whether he changes the system entirely but yeah i'm not convinced he will but i think he should i also think that he should um i think uh, Gosens plays on that side and the last thing you like you, to me tactically Saka works because he plays both sides of the game right like he he will track back and defend as you know he plays as a wing back if he wants to but he can also get up there and dribble and make things happen you have to do two things with Gosens you have to push him back and you also have to track his runs if he does the thing where he plays Foden up there I'm sorry like it's done like Gosens is gonna just <laughs> do his thing and, and run and then it comes down to the right back right to do the job or he might go with a three-five-two, right and then it's a Kyle Walker but then he has no offensive capabilities whatsoever so I would not do the three-five-two, but I would play with Bukayo Saka like on that wing because I think that tactically that's what makes the most sense you could go Jaden Sancho because he knows these guys sure fine but again the defensive side of the game with Gosens you're going to need someone that can do both sides of the game. So Saka makes the most sense. But I wouldn't yeah. play Foden at all. Like, no, I'm sorry. Like, that's not going to work. Yeah, I think the, the way that, that England played in the last game has kind of played Foden out of the team. I'd be surprised if he was back in. But we'll see. Um, elsewhere, Holland crashed out. Uh, Bernie, you used to live there, so we'll call you the Holland expert. Uh, or Netherlands, sorry. Any surprises here? I mean, I was surprised really that they got that far, even though I picked them as my dark horse. This is what they do, though. Like, especially <laughs> Holland in the last, like, 20 years. Like, they, they used to get to the semis with a stacked team, you know, and then you're like, oh, I really want them to win. But re- then they, they got to quarters. Like, they blitz everyone and get to quarters or something, and then you're like, that was a waste of our time. Uh, this was the latter. This was a waste of our time. Like, they... I think they flattered to deceive in the group stage, to be very honest. They're not actually that good. Like, they, they just are not that good. I don't really care about this Frankie de Jong and DeLitt thing. Like, I don't care. Memphis is going to do his own thing. Ronaldo is serviceable, sure, but they're not that good. So them crashing out, it's fine. It, it's, it's okay. And the Dutch kind of, I live there, but 
Mm, we, we have our issues, so I'm okay <laughs> with it. Say what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> uh, They're just not the friendliest people, okay? Like, right. Let's just leave it at that. that. <laughs> Fair enough, bro. What have you made of them? Well, I just think from this particular game, crashing out to the checks, the, the one thing we can agree was not surprising was a Matthijs Delict handball. I think it's like the 85th handball of his career. He seems to like handle the ball every week uh, with uh, with Juve. Um, Music to Bernie's ears. Yeah. The the one thing I've enjoyed about the Dutch is uh, Daniel Malin, who I hadn't heard of before this tournament, but he's so much fun to watch. He's just such a fizzy, like, scary dribbler, and he had an amazing chance to score. I think when it was still goalless in this mm-hmm. game against Czech Republic, where he had this brilliant dribble, but then he just couldn't ground the keeper. But, but yeah, aside from him, I mean, the Netherlands, they weren't really going to go that far in this tournament. So, so they won't be missed Fair enough. by me. And, we, and with that, uh, the last of the, the podcast dark horses are out. Um, Raul, just, just so that we know, um, and you could lie here, but you know, we'll, we'll trust you. Um, who was your dark horse before the tournament started, if you had one? Oh, how do we define dark horse here? Like, you mean a team that gets to the semis that you don't expect to get there, that kind of thing? Sure. Just, just, just but that's sup- that... Sorry, Alex, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, just someone that, that isn't expected to do very well that you think might. Uh, Turkey. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and they were, they were pretty horrendous. Uh, yeah, I think when I did my like, prediction bracket for fun, I think I had them definitely making the quarters. But they were absolute garbage. But they had a really good qualifying campaign, and they have a lot of good good names on the team sheet. So I I just thought, you know, thought they they do something good, but <laughs> that didn't work out. Wow, wow, that's a that's that's really interesting. So people really thought they were getting hipster <laughs> with Turkey. <laughs> yeah, I did. Bernie, yeah. didn't you describe them as the darkest dark horse ever to have? Dark horse or something. Yeah, <laughs> because I honestly thought they were gonna be rubbish, and I was stunned that like Mohamed picked them. <laughs> I was like, "What is going on?" Like, uh. I, I, you, you know, I, I mean, Chahanoglu, I, I don't rate him, and Soyuncu, I don't rate him either. Uh, what's up? What else? Yosichi, Demer- I, Demer- I, I never, I never watched him. Demeral, like, yeah, don't rate him anymore either. Uh, Demiral, he bro, he hurt me at my soul because I went to bat for that guy and then he just put out stinker after stinker. <laughs> he's, got, oh, he's got a touch of the Manolas about him, yeah, yeah, because you know? he's all action. You think he's, he's good, but he's pretty rubbish, <laughs> yeah, big passion merchant. Um, <laughs> so I mean, the Holland lost to the Czech Republic. I, I don't have that much to say about the Czech Republic other than that, like, they're very organized. And they've got a couple of good players. And like I think, Raul, when you were talking about what what makes Port or what made Portugal good previously, I feel like the Czech Republic kind of have that vibe. Like very well organized, defend pretty well, have a couple of good players. Yeah, like this is this is not the Czech Republic of uh of Poborski and Nedved and Rosicki, who I was really rooting for in the two thousand four Euros. Uh yeah, they're, they're just sometimes it, it's just better to have less talent, I guess, when you're this sort of like less heralded team. You can just grind results out and then play with no pressure. And uh, that's where they're at. And I think they play, who do they play? They play Denmark? Yep. 
Yeah, so I mean, that's crazy. One, one of these teams is going to be in the semis, Czech Republic, Denmark, uh, and it's pretty even. I think most neutrals will be rooting for Denmark with the whole Ericsson thing. Mm -hmm. the, 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 the very uh, fresh vintage uh, Hummel jersey that, that I appreciate that the Danes <laughs> wear. But uh, yeah, that's a cool thing with these international tournaments. I mean, who would have had either the Czechs or the Danes in the semis, and yet one of them is going to be there. Yeah, yeah definitely. I mean, Denmark smashed Wales. I mean, mm. really took them to bits. Wales were all right early on, but then, you know, it, it, it got very, very ugly very, very quickly for the Welsh. Um, did, did you guys see the Bale interview afterwards where he basically told the reporter to fuck off? Yeah. Gareth Bale is one of my favorite people in the world right now. He just, he doesn't have a single fuck to give. <laughs> it's like, whatever, man. <laughs> now he's a big meme. <laughs> <laughs> you see the thing with the ref where he's yep. just like, oh, fuck off. <laughs> oh, I, I really like Gareth Bale. Like, I, I just hope, I just want him to be happy in life. Like, whatever he wants to do, I support Gareth Bale. That's where I stand. Except for ever coming to Man United, which I know Rahul would, uh, would walk him to Old Trafford. <laughs> like, pi piggyback him to Old Trafford if he could. But I wouldn't be happy with anything in life but that. Roll, I saw something, please correct me if I'm wrong, if you've seen this, but I think, so obviously there's the whole uh, Wales, Golf, Madrid in that order thing, right? And did Marker put out some sort of headline when, when Wales went out being like, all that's left is like golf or something? I think the headline was something like uh, home golf Madrid in that order, <laughs> with, with the photo of Bay like looking down and, and being sad. Uh, his own club. So petty. Uh, that is, it's really petty. Like they, they love to uh, bully Bale, and I just wouldn't do it right now because there is a real chance that he comes back to Madrid. He has one more year left on his contract, and he had some issues with Ancelotti, but nothing compared to the issues he had with Zidane. So there is a real chance that he might be our backup striker in Madrid next season. So I think if you're Marca, you just want to lay off the guy. Maybe I gas him up a little bit, make him feel good, and then. Once he sees out the final year of his contract, then you can go back to uh, to Colo. Fair enough. Good lord, Gareth Bale, backup striker at Real Madrid. Um, speaking of which, we will dabble in in some transfers in a bit, but uh, we've got we've got some questions. Um, so let me put these to you, and and we'll see where we get. Um, Stephen Mark Scott says, which movie robot would be the best manager? And this is this comes off the back of like. Crystal Palace, Everton, and Tottenham all just massively failing to appoint a manager for about three months at this point. Um, so, like, the idea is just let the robot take over at this point and simulate decisions. Because really, how much worse could it be? Is is there a robot from a movie that might be able to do a job? When when this when I saw this tweet, I instantly went three P C three P O and R T D two. I think. Um, there's a, and this is not going to be a very good comparison here, but there's a, uh, what's his name? Uh, Sam Allardyce and Sam Lee, like thing yeah. of, 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 you know, twiddle D twiddle dumb <laughs> to them that I think would make a relegation scrap. Very, very uh, interesting. <laughs> Big man, little man, but as a, as a manager, managerial team. Raul, any robot thoughts? Uh, I might go with RoboCop because uh, from what I remember from RoboCop, he's a robot, but 
he's also like struggling with his uh, humanity. And I like to think that Rafa Benitez has some humanity in him somewhere. <laughs> as as a coach, I mean, not not like you know just as a person, because the uh, Lately, all you hear about Benitez is uh, so after Modric scored that brilliant goal with the outside of his foot, we were all reminded that Rafa Benitez told Modric not to pass the ball with the outside of his foot. And he also, I think, uh, tried to tell Cristiano Ronaldo to improve his uh, shooting technique or something like that. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, could, I could see Rafa Benitez in a Robocop guard. So just for that reason, I go for Robocop. Yeah. I, think, I mean, he, he, is, he is often described as a bit robotic and, and cold, so I think that would work. Um, Everton fans, incidentally, uh, are protest- protesting the, the possible appointment of him so hard that they have apparently written a banner or something that says, we know where you live, because he's got a house on Merseyside. Where, anyway, it's still getting a bit mental. Um, it, it seems like a relatively decent chance that one, at least one of these clubs might genuinely start this season, or at least pre-season, without an actual manager, which is phenomenal. <laughs> I don't know if that's ever happened in Spain, but like, nuts. Um, next question. Was tra- was chatting with uh, Jojo the other day um, about most blatant accounting transfers. So recent examples and my personal favorite: uh, Barcelona and Valencia swapping Neto and Silison for forty million each. Like for me, that is an absolute classic of the genre. Any other any other faves? Uh, I would present uh, again. This is Barcelona. But uh, when they sold uh, Artur to Juventus and they took, I think, Pjanic, I don't know if it was part of the same deal. And they, 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 made, they sold some other player around that time. And it was really just because the board of directors needed to bring some money into the club's coffers because their term was ending and you have to guarantee a certain percentage of the club's budget. Right. And they couldn't do it. So like, okay, we need to sell Artur. And uh, I think that counts as an, uh, just a straight blatant accounting transfer alex was yours the the netto silicon one mm-hmm. sadly i'm I, we have to stay in barcelona um i think I, I think this this is indicative of just a how incompetent they are managing money and b they're just fraudulent um that paulinho transfer was mm-hmm. money laundering 101 <laughs> what did they do they sold him to china or Guangzhou, wasn't it? Or did he go from Spurs to China? They signed him and then sold him back. Or I think yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, that's like I couldn't work that out for the life of me. <laughs> what the point of signing him was, and then selling him for the exact same money? Like, who would agree to do that? Who would, on on God's green earth would agree to buy Paulinho for for that amount of money? Like, back from Barcelona? No, like that was a joke. That was absolute joke. Yeah, that that was so bizarre. The the one that I'm thinking of, because Juventus do weird shit all the time, especially with like Sassuolo, and you just find that like other Italian teams who you think have no money suddenly buy really bad Juventus players for big sums of money. I think Stefano Storaro was one of them. I'm just trying to look it up. I think they sold him to like Genu- Genoa for like 15 million or something completely bonkers. But somehow Juventus managed to get other clubs to buy their players for, for exceedingly large transfer fees. So always enjoyable. And there was the whole, yeah, the, the Pjanic thing as well. Right? I, I also think that Chelsea are scamming everyone one way or the other. I don't know how to prove it, but they sell, they sell their youth players for staggering amounts of money 
And I, no, I, I think. Oh, and Liverpool. Rian Brewster, 20 million. Uh, uh, eBay, 15 million. Solanke, 20. No, 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 no. There's, there's <laughs> fraudulence. That Liverpool born in the Southampton axis. You know, those beach towns in in the UK, there's something beach going town. on. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'll, I'll give you one from uh, back in the day, and this is, again, tapping to my uh, Real Madrid fandom. But Please. before Florentino Perez was a thing, the, the president was a man named Lorenzo Sanz, who was very much a sketchy, old-school, cigar-smoking uh, club president. And when he was president, Madrid signed this player called Elvir Baljic, who I think was Bosnian, from one of the Turkish teams. And he was signed for like 25 million uh, pounds or something like that, which was a crazy uh, amount of money at that time for a player no one had heard of. And he amounted to nothing, and he was sold for, sold for nothing pretty soon after. But Lorenzo Sanz, around the same time, built a really nice vacation house somewhere in Spain. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> the, Real, the Real Madrid club members referred to that house as Casa Baljic. Because they allege that some somebody told this guy, listen, get get Madrid to pay twenty five million for this crappy player, and we'll give you a cut, and you can uh, you can buy nice things. So that's amazing. That's so good. I think um, another one that comes to mind is United buying Bebe. I yeah. I am I think I was eight million, and and the 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 story was um, Ozil went to Real Madrid for like thirteen million or something like that. And people were like, why are we using the, the, the also money on Bebe? Because <laughs> we were linked to him at the time. And $8 million for a guy who, like, a year prior was homeless or something like that. Like, it was, he was playing, like, the homeless games. People were like, this, like, Fergie, that horse might, might not need that much tending. Like, come on, man, calm down. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a good story, but a terrible transfer. <laughs> yeah, big time. Um I've just been reminded of, uh, I think possibly the thing that, that kicked this all off was uh, Semedo's horrendous, another horrendous Semedo performance um, at right back for Portugal. And the fact that Jorge Mendes managed to get Wolves to, to buy him for 35 million. Also Fabio Silva, 35 million. So like Mendes is doing this shit for his clients all the time. I was reading an article, I think two days ago, where basically the, it was on Sport Witness, you know, how they aggregate things. And they were saying that a lot of clubs are effectively looking at George Mendes and saying, look, bro, we're not really interested in anything you have to sell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, what was it the other day? There was an article, there was something about Nuno Espirito Santo and the time at Wolves and how the club tried to get the club suggested they buy Danny Olmo and because he wasn't a Mendes client they ended up buying who was it Daniel Podence instead and it's just like Danny Olmo is like five times the player but because he wasn't a Mendes client they did they got this miniature Podence instead it's like you can't operate like this it's just ridiculous oh they can clearly I'm curious <laughs> Mendes like he he basically made his life with Cristiano Ronaldo and Jose Mourinho when they were at their peak. I mean, Ronaldo is good but old, still marketable. Mourinho is in the mud, and Luke Shaw has buried him, absolutely <laughs> buried him. <laughs> uh, who 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 does Mendes have any other sort of elite clients? Like I can't think of any. Uh, looking it up right now, he appears to have appears to have quite a few. Ruben Diaz, 
Oh, okay. Bernard, Bernardo Silva is basically half the Portugal team. Yeah, never mind. That, that'll do it. <laughs> Andre, Andre Silva, Jota, uh, Renato Sanchez. <laughs> this is all Portugal. Uh, Daniel cool. Perens, as Alex mentioned. He also has Di Maria and, uh, and some others. So, uh, uh, okay, he's he's doing well. Uh, he's never, never, so, uh, yeah, never mind. He's fine. <laughs> but, but that's the thing, start. right? Like when when you have that many good players, you can just threaten clubs. You can just be like, "Well, if you don't want to do what I want you to do, I'll just turn off the tap, and you won't get access to any of my clients." And that's a massive problem. I don't know what anyone's supposed to do about it, but yeah, this at least that kind of power is in the hands of. Uh, George Mendes and not Mino Raiola, because then the world would literally just be be destroyed. But... Fair enough. All right, next question. Um, Jamie Brackpool says, without looking at the internet, can you guys name every goal scorer from today? Every from both games. Yeah, I mean, own goals got two. Okay. Uh, Seferovic. Yeah. With two goals. Uh, Benzema. Uh, Pogba, Oyarzabal, Morata. Who there's one? There are two more goals from Spain. Gamranovic or something. The uh, uh, oh. which TV plays for but... Croatia. It's <laughs> probably a good guess. No, 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 no. Actually, I think he's a Swiss. Swiss. Okay. Yeah. But I don't know uh, if he scores. <laughs> I mean, in short, the answer is nearly. I think. <laughs> covered it didn't we yeah i think we missed one or two from spain but uh, um, for spain it was morata ferran torres or Zabal, and uh oh aspiricueta oh yeah, yeah. who's oh, oh oh and um wait who scored they scored five that was four or did someone mm. score two does it matter no that's the no. question i mean it's not jamie's question but it's my question jamie's other question is do, do either of you have a best gif of the tournament so far? I think the Bale one, probably, no? Bale. Yeah. yeah. Gotta be. I mean, it's just sensational. Um, all right. Uh, at Donyaya says, who was happiest about that Mbappe penalty miss? The Swiss players or Olivier Giroud? <laughs> <laughs> the answer is Marcus Rashford. But, but yes, Olivier Giroud. <laughs> Yuru did look devastated. Absolutely devastated. Sure. Sure there, bud. <laughs> he's, a, he's a very good actor. Yeah. Um, right. Mike Forbes, uh, parental warning on this one. I'm not going to pull any punches. Should fucking broadcasts stop airing live fucking interviews with pumped up fucking footballers? And is Joshua Kimmich the most underrated football player in the world? I legit believe you could play him any position on the field and he would give you what you want and more. Uh, so let's <laughs> should broadcasters stop interviewing footballers? Yes. They should only interview the referees. <laughs> I'd be okay with that. I want explanations for your decisions. <laughs> Just one by one. Uh, but no, I don't. I don't like the idea of interviewing players. Like, is he saying that like right after the game? I think so because he says pumped up. Yeah, give them like you know how in like um in the NBA they have a shower, whatever, and then they come out after they thought about things. They still say some crazy stuff, but they thought about things. Like, I'd rather that you do that than like right after a loss you ask someone something and they're just gonna be really upset. Like, I don't think that's fair. Fair enough, Raul. Uh, as someone mm -hmm. who 
has worked in the media. What's your take? Yeah, it's a tough one. I kind of agree, but at the same time, most 99% of the things that athletes say are so boring. So at least when you get them, when the testosterone's pumping and the adrenaline's high, at least they say something interesting or give us good gifs. Uh, <laughs> or, or we had like Jaka today. Like, okay, I, I'll, I'll say I, I agree in terms of uh, like when a player suffered a devastating defeat. Maybe then it would be nice to give them give them a few minutes, compose themselves. But when it's someone who's like amped up because they won, like uh, Jaka today, dropped the F-bomb like five times, which I thought was great. He was just so happy and it was just such raw, unbridled ecstasy. So I like to see that side of things. But yeah, I, I think uh, like asking Gareth Bale like, two minutes after the final whistle, is this, is this your last game? Uh, although it gives us good, good content, it's uh, not in great taste. I, I do yeah. think that Klopp should never be off the table at any point just mm. to see him complain about something. Like, he's he's prime content, for sure. And just grind his teeth. Yeah. His interviews are probably really lucrative for his dentist. His dentist is like, I saw the interview, you need to come in. <laughs> Firmino's like, I got a guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last one. Uh, what drugs were the Swiss on, and can I get some? That is uh, from at DJ Fuzzy Boy, Dr. Max Power on Twitter. What is, I don't know. Roundup Toblerone? What do they snort in Switzerland? Hmm. I'm I'm assuming, I mean, they're pretty highbrow with their, you know, Swiss banks. I would expect some very pure cocaine. I think that's probably a fair shout. It might not even be illegal. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) In Switzerland? I don't know. Probably not for white people. (laughs) Um, Alex went there. (laughs) What? It's a very racist place. They banned minarets. Wow. Did they? Yeah. yeah. So I uh, forgive me if, if you already know this, but Switzerland is as close as to a direct democracy as you can find in many places. Like the people all vote on a lot of things, have a, re- a lot of referendums. And the people, this is a number of years ago, they voted to ban minarets. And the basis of the bill was like, we can't build things too high because it ruins the skyline. And it's like, actually, they just wanted to stop mosques being built. Huh. Okay. Yeah. I don't know where to go with that because I was trying to go back to Brig or Brug or what was that place that we went to? Brig. We went Brig, to Brig yeah. And Basel. Yeah. 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 Uh, if you ever go to Basel, don't eat the Chinese food. Not very good. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure the lovely people of Switzerland have voted for some good things too. The, the jollof might be worse in Switzerland. Just saying. Oh, I wouldn't go near the jollof in Switzerland with a ten-foot pole. But. Well, congrats to Sonia, Sonia Miseo, um, friend of the pod, for yes. her remarkable achievement uh, <laughs> as part of the nation of Switzerland. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Uh, transfers. Raul, I know you weren't keen to talk about Real Madrid, but you've got Carlo Ancelotti back. No one expected that. I think we need to talk about it. How do you feel? Um, at first, I was disappointed because I think I was, uh, like a lot of Madrid fans, they were sort of looking at an ideal scenario where maybe we can get Pochettino because it seemed like he was having some issues at PSG and that didn't pan out and then like Allegri was mooted. But the more I think about it for the the reality of Real Madrid's current situation, Ancelotti actually works really well because he won't really complain. Like he's not like a Conte figure. He's not going to cry about signings or or, or spending. Uh, obviously, a lot of the players have won the Champions League with him before. Uh, so... So, you know, I, I don't feel too badly about it. I, I think he, I think there's certain, uh, certain players who really stand to benefit 
from him coming back, like for instance, Odegaard, mm -hmm. I'm interested to see how he kicks on. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't, I don't mind it. In an ideal, well, in a perfect world, you you know go and get club with someone. But in a sure. semi-realistic world, maybe Pochettino. But since neither of those has panned out, I think we could do far worse than Ancelotti. Like we were linked with Conte at one point. I did not want that. I think it would be a terrible fit, even though it's, I think he's a good coach. So I think I think Carlo's a decent, uh, decent get for us. Yeah, okay I, I, I wouldn't, like Bernie and I were very vocal that we thought the Everton gig was very much a misfit, Carlo Ancelotti. Weren't sure really why he did it beyond the paycheck, and it, it didn't, it wasn't really ever going to go anywhere, but I wouldn't necessarily look at it as evidence for the Real Madrid job. No. Like, he's far too chill for the Premier League at this point, but I think that might be what Real Madrid need. I, I do think that what it does show is that there is no plan at Real Madrid because there's no world. I, I just, I don't believe there's a world where they thought if Zidane leaves, we're going to go for Carlo Ancelotti and bring him back. Someone that they effectively chased out the club in the first place, like we're going to bring him back. I don't, I just don't see that. And I think, and Raul, maybe, I mean, you do have more insights. It just feels like what Real Madrid want to do right now is stay afloat until they can get Mbappe. <laughs> like, it just it doesn't feel like there's yeah there's any real planning outside of that to me. Yeah, I think uh, with the coaching appointment, they're just really looking to buy the time with someone who could potentially. I mean, with with all their troubles, we still took the lead race to the last match day and somehow made it to the Champions League semis. So then you just want someone who can at least sustain that level and won't like drive you into the ground but also someone who is easy to sack if you need to, if some of Poch becomes available or maybe Klopp wants to change or, or things don't go well and you're ready to promote uh, Raul from the Castilla job to the main job. So Ancelotti just gives you like that peaceful sort of transition where, you know, you could see, like, you know that he'll produce some pretty good football. I think probably, I think we'll probably play more entertaining football than under Zidane. Mm -hmm. And maybe you wouldn't be shocked if we were to win the league. I think we're actually pretty well positioned to uh, go for the league title Champions League different matter and then uh, yeah in a year or two years it, he's easy to let go of because he doesn't quite have like the level of uh, club that Zidane has like it's not going to be too awkward to let him go you've done it once before oh, he yeah. leaves with a smile he raises his eyebrow he doesn't take it personally so it's no he does not give a shit no. so <laughs> he's in it for the money at level. this point yeah um, let me since I have both of you here let me bring us on to Rafa Varane so he's linked with Man United. They very clearly want him. If you were to believe Fabrizio Romano, he said he wants to try something different. Bernie, you don't want him to join Manchester United. Raul, do you want him to stay at Real Madrid? Who wants Rafa Varane? Oh, I definitely want him to stay, no doubt. Yeah? But I can see why, if he wants to leave, I can totally see why. Number one, David Alaba, who, I mean, I'm really happy we got him, but... He's the same age as Varane, and he's walked into the club, and his salary is, is way more than what Varane is on. Varane, who's won four Champions Leagues, World Cup, a linchpin, one, one of Madrid's greatest ever defenders, really, by this point. So if you're Varane, you can be like, listen, I've won everything at this club. I'm not going to win four more Champions Leagues. But if I go to United, or more so if, if, if he could go to a club like PSG, make way more money, and if you win... Say, if he wins a single Champions League at PSG or a Premier League title at United, 
that will elevate his legacy in ways that no further title than Madrid could. And he'll make more money, which he deserves. So I could see why, but I think the club will try and convince him to stay. And they've made him an offer, and hopefully they make him an improved one, because losing both him and Ramos the same transfer window would be would be really bad. Yeah. It's not that I don't want Varane. It's that the Varane I wanted was Varane of two years ago. Mm. Um, I think that this present version of Varane has declined. Um, I think quite drastically, because I, I was one of the very few people who said... When people were like, Van Dijk's the best defender, I said, no, Varane is the best defender in the world two years ago. Um, and I stand by that, especially around that World Cup time. Varane, to me, was without peer. I, I, I didn't buy this Van Dijk thing. I still don't buy it. Um, and he's a great defender, but not... not Varane is, you know, across the career and in the, their peaks, Varane was higher by far. But I think he's in decline. He might need a change of scenery. Sure, fine, but... I, I want a different profile, you know, fast. He is fast, but I want a fast beast. I don't really, he, he's, he's a bit it's soft for a big guy in some ways. And even though he has been cleaning up for Sergio Ramos, absolutely. But I want a bit of a hard man, asshole type of defender who's very quick. Um, you give me Varan, sure, I'm happy. But I also feel like we're being used for a new contract. I think he will sign that deal. So I'd rather you pursue players who really want to come to the club um, you know, Kunde's short, whatever, but Paul Torres can improve. I'm okay. I'm okay with players who can come in and improve as you know, even, even with their deficiencies, I'm very okay with, with that. But Varan is just, there's too much uncertainty and, and feels like you're being used that I don't want anything to do with it. No, fair enough. I, I, I think it's about 50, 50 at this point. I, it would, it would suck for Madrid to have to try and replace, you know, two, two huge center backs at the same time but if if one of the people that that you're you're kind of building around is 400 grand a week david alaba then not in in too bad a shape like i'm sure they can find someone um i don't know maybe I mean, how is not even bad i don't really get what's, he's, no, he's what's really happening good. no he's uh the second half of last season he was actually brilliant both him and nacho played most of the time because ramos was injured and Varane yeah had COVID and was injured so he's great but Again, you don't want to lose both your starting defenders, especially when Varane is still... Uh, I agree with Bernie that Varane has uh, suffered a dip in the last year or two, but the other way of looking at it is he can still improve. I think he's only at 28. And I think the next level of improvement for him is to be more of a vocal leader. And, and we've seen him suffer when Ramos isn't playing. That's been like very evident the last, last, uh, the last year or two years, whenever Ramos is missing, Varane suffers. So... Again, yeah, since Ramos has gone from Madrid's point of view, you really want to keep uh, keep Varane and then play Militao next to him and hopefully play Alaba at left-back, which is where I personally prefer. Fair enough. Um, and and if, if Carlo does want to bring in someone that has impressed him while in England, you could see Ben Godfrey oh. roll up at the Bernabeu. <laughs> could do worse, you know. You know what's funny? Ben Godfrey would actually be too expensive for Real Madrid right now. <laughs> and, and that's not even like a joke. <laughs> the 50 million purchase right there. <laughs> anyway, uh, any other any other rumors or things that have actually happened or might happen that either of you want to talk about? Because that, that's all I've got. The only thing, and from a selfish point of view, and it's not Sancho, I don't care, like whatever. Uh, yeah. The Camavinga thing came up and... I was, I'm again of the thought of that's not going to happen, but I'm also like, 
I, I'm more curious about you guys' thoughts in that, not about whether he joins United. I know that's a concrete link. It's everyone is saying that it's a, it's a discussion, but is he like? Have you guys seen enough of him to determine if he's even as good? Like he's 17 or 18, so he should not be, in my opinion, like those guys should not be elite. You know what I mean? Like they should suffer dips, but. I haven't even watched him enough for, compared to the hype that I see on Twitter. It's like, oh my God, get him. I'm like, are you sure? <laughs> I don't know. I was wondering your guys' thoughts of you, uh, on him generally because Real Madrid was apparently the link, strong link actually, for most of the last year. And that may or may not happen. So, Raul, I was curious, what do you thought about him? Yeah, I think nowadays there's just a culture, as you guys know, on, on football Twitter where Somebody has a good season, which uh, which Kamavinga apparently did uh, the season before the recent league concluded one. Uh, suddenly, he's you know gener- confirmed generational talent, and Madrid fans wanted him. Uh, there's a section of United fans that really want him. I think this past season he seems to have been pretty quiet because he's not in the French squad. We haven't heard anything about him. I don't know what he's been doing at at Rennes. He's really young. I mean, I'm sure if there was that much hype around him, he must be a really uh, high ceiling player. But I mean. Yeah, I, I do think, uh, again, there's a culture of judging young players off like YouTube compilations and everyone looks amazing on YouTube. And, and yeah. if he's been hyped that much, maybe he will really be a phenomenal player someday, but people need to hold their horses. He's, he's a kid. He's like 17 or something. Yeah, I just really looked it up. He, he's 18. I, what, what it brings to mind to me is um, Renato Sanchez. Like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Had a phenomenal tournament in 2016, was it, for Portugal when he was 18 years old. Bayern Munich bought him for 40 million euros. And he just suffered for like three seasons. We couldn't get in the team at Bayern. Went on loan to Swansea and was horrendous. Um, but then where did he end up? Did he go to Fiorentina for a minute? I don't know. Anyway, he bounced around for a few years because like he just made the move too early. And I think Camavinga probably doesn't want to stay at Ren for too long, but there's a next step that he can take that isn't Real Madrid or Manchester United that is going to serve his career a lot better. Like, there's got to be something in between. United Twitter will kill him if he has, <laughs> like, a bad performance. We have the worst online fan base in the world, for I'm concerned, and I, I don't want a good player. I know you want to say Arsenal, Alex, but no, I'm sorry. You're no, not the worst all, online fan horrendous. base. They're all sure. horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about Real Madrid. Yeah, I, but... I think you know, I was going to say, I, I, I see your United and I raise you or Real Madrid Twitter. But yeah. I, I think like Alex said, I think they're all just, just absolutely horrendous. But maybe uh, he can, uh, Kamavinga can take a leaf out of Erling Haaland's book. You know, he probably could have gone anywhere and he went to Dortmund. He's not going to stay there for much longer, but it's a good move because it's like you take one step. There's no rush when you're that young. Mm-hmm. You have yeah. all the time in the world for big clubs and big contracts and but if you rush too fast, sometimes it can work against you. We've seen that with enough players. So. I like that idea. Where he can go replace Axel Witzel at Dortmund. Jaden Sancho, Camavinga, double pivot. Absolute prodigy unit in central midfield and, and go from there. Yeah. Wicked. <laughs> <I do agree>. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think that'll do it for the Koshkars this week. Raul, thank you so much for joining us. Pleasure. A great time, guys. Talk, talk again soon. And we will chat again when, uh, well, I mean, probably before then, but definitely when Sergio Ramos retires, we'll have to uh, assess mm. the shit out of his career. I'm, I'm, I'm here for that. All right. Bernie, see ya. Awesome. Bye, lads.
thank you for downloading the Koshcast. Get in touch at underthekoshblog at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at under underscore the kosh. And for articles, predictions, and the full experience, go to underthekoshblog.com. Thank you.